From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Shang Lim on MIGS and Simonetta Morselli on microincision IOLs. The power range is between zero and plus 30. Really? Yes. First this. What's your idea of the perfect meeting? Mine would be a meeting in which the topics I want are covered by the people who are innovators in their fields, who talk about things that are immediately relevant to my practice and who are both approachable and available between sessions. Ideally, I would like only one session to be running at a time so that I don't miss anything and for each session to consist only of really high quality speakers. I guess if I were to go on to fantasize, the meeting would be in a beautiful location with plenty for my family to do while I'm filling my brain. Now, if you add a collegial atmosphere that promotes conversation with other ophthalmologists and an informal setting, then you would have a pretty good description of side-by-side, ASCRS's new winter meeting. Side-by-side takes the place of winter update, and its motto is, at the intersection of ideas and implementation. Join me at Side by Side at Turnberry Isle in Adventura, Florida. Go to sidexside.ascrs.org for more information, to book your housing, and to register. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the annual meeting of the Asia-Pacific Association of Cataract and Refractive Surgeons in Jaipur, Rajasthan, India. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today we hear from Shang Lim on minimally invasive glaucoma surgery and Simonetta Morselli on an intraocular lens made to be inserted through a microincision or mix wound. I'm here with Shang Lim. Shang, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very eager to begin in my own practice to start doing MIGS. I'm not uh, doing it, 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 it currently. You gave a, a very nice talk uh, on uh, MIGS concentrating on trans-TM MIGS. Can I get you to sort of flesh out the, 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 the topic for us, and then maybe we can go into uh, more specifics? Sure. I think... Um as a practicing ophthalmologist, we're all fairly risk-averse now, and uh, any surgery carries significant risk of complication, we tend rather not to do it. But uh, So what makes MIX begin sort of gaining popularity is this low risk profile, and fairly simple to perform. I think for this reason, uh, um, MIX is going to become more and more popular, uh, certainly in the next few years. So when, when we talk about trans-TM MIGs, what are the options? The, well, first of all, I must say that mix uh, comes in various forms and techniques. And the, the reason why I concentrate on the trans-TM is partly because of my research, in, on research interests. But also there are currently a few devices that are either in the market at the moment or being in development, uh, waiting to be approved by the, by the FDA. So I'm going to concentrate talking about the three trans-TM surgery, which is the trabectum, eye stent, and the hydrus implant. 
Uh, how before we we get into how well these 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 work for the viewers who have not seen what the devices look like, what are the the differences between the three? Well, first of all, trabeculum is not a device; is an instrument that perform trabecular metric surgery. Essentially, it's similar to goniotomy, except that you do a cautery and aspirations of the trabecular meshwork that you cut through, and exposing the uh, collector's channels, thereby is a trans-TM surgery. How, and there are a lot of similarity between iStent and Hydras. They're f- tiny in size, and I always describe to my patient, Hydras is the size of an eyelash. And Einstein is even smaller. Einstein is only about a few millimeters in length, so it's a very, very small device. And uh, are there differences in the the challenge that the surgeon has in terms of putting the these in? Absolutely. I think in order to be able to do trans-TM surgery, one has to be familiar with gonioscopy and also be confident about performing gonioscopy on the operating table. It, it does require special instruments, uh, not too complicated, but it does require some experience of how to set up the microscope to gain uh, sort of access to the trabecular meshwork. Yeah, I, I, I've, I found, I mean, I, 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 I've, I found those times that I, I, I have tried, it's very difficult to position the, the, the patient's head and the scope in a way that I get a good view with the intra-op gonial lens. Do you, do you have any, any tips for that? Um, well, first of all, my tip is that uh, unlike simple cataract surgery, I always give my patients uh, either subtenon or local anesthetic because it's, simply, it's much more comfortable for the patient or gen- even general anesthetic. And what you do have to do is tilt the operating microscope about 45 degrees, at the same time tilting the patient's head in the opposite direction, about 45 degrees, and use a Swan Jacobs corneal lens, and that will really provide you the best view possible. Now, in terms of um, the degree of IOP reduction that we get from these devices, um, where where does it fall? I mean, obviously, I, I would guess that it is more than we get from just standard cataract surgery. It's got to be less than one would get from a tram. Absolutely. I think this is where my I'm going to concentrate on this in my lectures. Uh, traditionally, it's all believed that trabecular meshwork consists of... Uh, made up about 90% of the outflow resistance. Therefore, if you really move the trabecular meshwork resistant, trabecular meshwork resistant, you should achieve close to the episcopal venous pressure level, which is about between 8 and 10. Now, in all the clinical data we've seen of the trans-TM mix, we're not seeing that at all. We're seeing about 14 to 16. And that seems to be consistent across the type of devices or the surgery you do in trans-TM surgery. That brings in other sort of theory behind the outflow resistance in that, that beyond the trabecular meshwork pathway, the in, sort of intrascleral episcleral plexus, rather, venous plexus, consists of probably about 25% of the total resistance. So the lowest IOP can go post-successful mix surgery is probably about 14 to 16. So it is quite a difference from the episcleral venous pressure. Now, who, who, who is the, the, the best patient for MIGS uh, as, as opposed to either A, relying on some reduction that you're going to get from uh, straight cataract surgery, or B, someone who genuinely needs uh, real glaucoma surgery in the form of a TRAB or a tube? 
Absolutely. Because of the IOP flow that you can achieve in mix, let's say about, in the worst case scenario, 15, certainly in my practice, I don't do mix, transient mix, certainly on patients who are advanced, with advanced glaucoma, would require very low IOP, or normal tension glaucoma would require low IOP. But, uh, but, and also patients who have previous trabecular surgery, or such as, um, well, actually such as trabeculectomy or tube surgery, because I think in those patients, the collection channel is probably slightly dysfunctional. So in an ideal world, what you want to do mix on is those patients with early or moderate glaucoma, high risk of hypertension who are all of this requiring drops to control the pressure and they may well have SLT or ALT in the past but that will be perfect in conjunction with a cataract surgery. Do you tell them that the uh, procedure that, that, you're, that you're going to do is going to be a substitute for all of the medications that, that they're on or do you, do you sort of couch it and say, well, maybe I, uh, I can get you on, on, onto, onto fewer drops? Do you know what I'm asking just from a, from a purely practical uh, patient conversation standpoint? Absolutely. Um, I must admit, the, uh, the, my current uh, mix of choice is Hydra's. And if we look at a Hydra's... Um, data presented in the AO recently, it seems to suggest that in about as much as 80% of the patient in one year can be meds-free. Um, that's highly impressive. So if I can tell my patient there's 80% chance of you coming off all your glaucoma medication in order to achieve your IOP, target IOP, I think that's a pretty acceptable thing to do. But uh, you're right. I think managing expectations are key here. You do tell patient that it is likely we can reduce or even eliminate the needs of glaucoma meds post-surgery, but it's not guaranteed. This is, this is great stuff. I mean, it's so neat seeing our, our own field broadening uh, like this. And, 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 and since this, this is something that is... Uh, Something that comprehensive cataract surgeons are going to do, not just glaucoma specialists. I want to thank you very much for sharing this with us and for being so generous with your time with us today. Thank you very much. I'm here with Simonella Morselli. Simonella, you know, there, there are advantages to mix, to uh, micro-incision cataract surgery. But I wonder sometimes if, if we defeat our own purposes by making these wounds that are so small because we can't put lenses through them. But you gave a, a, a wonderful talk on uh, lenses that are designed for this procedure. Can I get you to sort of flesh it out for me? Yes. Um, uh, yes, uh, I was involved in an FDA study of uh, the new uh, in-size IUL. It's made by Bauchalomb. This uh, new IUL uh, is able to uh, inject by 1.5 millimeter incision. And it is a very suitable lens for micro-incision cathode surgery, uh, especially for bimanual cathode surgery, because we have uh, bimanual cathode surgery with 1.5 millimeter incision but we don't have an IOL to insert through this very small incision and now Bachelon studies this lens I was involved in an FDA study and this lens is perfect suitable for uh, to inject into 1.5 millimeter. So, so what, what does the uh, lens look like how, how large is the 
optic for the um, yeah is a single piece IOL four haptics that uh, feel completely the capsular bag very well and it is acrylic um, hydrophilic IOL with a very low content of water 22% and this lens is in the middle between acrylic hydrophilic and hydrophobic IOL this purpose is to avoid the secondary caps uh, cataract um, that's normally occur with, hydro, uh, with hydrophilic IOL. And how does the lens come pre-packaged, pre or, or, or do you have to have to, to fold it? Because with the with the low water content, I imagine that lens is a little bit rigid, a little bit hard yeah, to Yeah, the, the lens is a little bit rigid. is um, is not preloaded, uh, but this is very easy to load the IOL into the cartridge. Uh, the cartridge is a dedicated cartridge uh, for this uh, this IOL, a specific um, specific size to inject the IOL and the uh, distal part of the inserter is a little bit stiffer than the normal one to avoid the explosion of the, uh, the distal part of the injector. And um, in FDA study, we didn't have any preloaded lens, but now Bauchelom studied the preloaded version for the market. And how, how difficult, how, how challenging is it to, to insert a wound, I mean, to, to insert a lens through a, through a wound that small? Um, yeah, um, if you, um, there are two techniques, one, into the wound and one um, sort of tenting up the uh, wound without yeah, going through it yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, Thank I'm you to help me. No, no, I understand. Thank you to help me. <laughs> yes, that's that is the 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 the, um, the option to insert the IR two methods, one in the wound and one outside with a contralateral instrument that help you to insert the IUL into the capsular bag. Now, granted, since the, the, the mouth of, of the, the cartridge yeah. has to be very, very small, yeah. I, I assume that the power range for the lenses can't be huge. No, no. The power range is between zero and plus 30. Really? Diopter, yes. And uh, between zero and 10 diopter, we have a one diopter of increments and between 10 to 30 we have 0.5 diopter of increments for the IOLs. And even a, a even, plus 20, even, 29 yeah, lens no, you no can problem. fit through a small No one. problem, no oh, problem. Really no, something. because this IOL have 22% of water content and this IOL is uh, literally squeezed into the uh, into the cartridge. It takes uh, some time to open into the capsular bag because it is, is a little bit uh, slow when the IUL is inserted in the capsular bag to opening. But anyway, it's worked very, very well. And now I have two years of study of the FDA study and no opacification, secondary opacification are present now after two years of implantation. A marvelous stuff. Simonetta, thank you very much for you know, bringing bring this here and for being so generous with your time with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Van. Sheng Lim is consultant ophthalmic surgeon at the London Clinic in London, UK. Simonetta Morselli is chief of the ophthalmic unit at the San Bassiano Hospital in Bassano di Grappa, Italy. Ask questions of Dr. Lim, Dr. Morselli, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. 
These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.